In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. Welcome back to Sunday Setup, the weekly podcast show that prepares you for the readings you'll hear at Mass this Sunday. Our first reading for the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time of Year A comes from the Book of Wisdom. It speaks of someone seeking out wisdom and wisdom's response to being sought. The author uses a classic literary tool known as personification. Wisdom is spoken of as a person, a lady. While the seeker of wisdom is instructed in our passage to rise early, fix his thoughts on her, and be vigilant, Lady Wisdom does not just wait passively to be found. No, as the passage from the Book of Wisdom explains, she hastens to make herself known and makes her own rounds. What we have is a sort of double movement described. The one who seeks out wisdom discovers that, somehow, wisdom is already seeking him or her out. This is a common experience in our life of faith. Often, when we strive to discover God at work in our lives, we find that God is the one who has been seeking us out all along. Speaking of seeking, the Thessalonians are seeking a specific answer from St. Paul in our second reading. When Paul visited them in Thessalonica, he likely told his new followers of Christianity that Jesus would be returning soon. Yet, a significant time has passed since Paul departed from Thessalonica, and now some of the Christians in the Thessalonian community have died. They're trying to make sense of this. And specifically, because they have died before Jesus' return, are those people now at a disadvantage? You see, a commonly held belief at the time was that the generation which lives to see the end of the world would be more blessed than those who had already died. To address this concern, Paul presents what we have as our second reading this weekend. He tells them he does not want them to grieve as others do. This is important because Paul is not telling the Thessalonians to not grieve at all over those who have died. That's impossible and inhuman. Rather, he does not want them to grieve in a hopeless way. The pagans did this, since they saw death as totally complete and final. Paul counters that with hopeful expectation the dead will indeed participate in the resurrection when Jesus returns. Using a euphemism, he speaks of those who have died as fallen asleep. Yes, even 2,000 years ago, people spoke of the dead in ways that would attempt to soften the blow. In verse 17, we have the curious case of Paul referring to those who will still be alive at the time of Jesus' return. Our translation at Mass refers to them as being caught up, yet a more literal translation of this Greek word would be seized or snatched. And in fact, when St. Jerome famously translated the Bible from Greek into Latin, he translated this particular word as Rapio. It's from this verse, and its word for being caught up, rapio, that the concept of the rapture came to be. That all faithful Christians would suddenly be snatched up, rapioed to heaven, while the rest remained behind. Speaking of people remaining behind, our gospel tells us of ten virgins who are awaiting the return of a bridegroom. Understanding Middle Eastern wedding customs at the time of Jesus will help to shed some light, pun intended, on this particular story of the ten virgins with lighted lamps. A typical matrimony at that time had two stages. First, the betrothal. A young man offered a bridal price to a father in order to take his daughter in marriage. 
When an agreement was reached, the two became betrothed, a bit like an engagement as we know it today. However, the bride lived with her parents until the time of the wedding feast, the second stage, which could be up to a year or more after the betrothal. At the time of the feast, the groom would travel to the bride's home and, in a celebratory procession, bring her back to the wedding feast at his home. This procession was filled with singing and dancing, but it was also filled with torchbearers, people that could light the way towards the feast. But with that context set, we also need to touch briefly on the particular lamps that would have been used. Because if you're like me, you imagine the ten virgins in this story holding something akin to that from which Robin Williams emerges as the genie in the movie Aladdin. Yet this is not what these ten virgins would have been holding. One, because a slight breeze would have blown them out. And two, those sort of lamps don't provide much light, especially outdoors. Rather, the virgins would have been holding something more like torches. Strips of cloth dipped in oil and tied to a sturdy stick. Arranged this way, these torches could last a considerable amount of time. But without dipping the cloth into oil, the torches could last only about 15 minutes. And thus, we have the difference that the oil makes. One final piece of the equation, the virgins wouldn't have set out with lighted lamps at the beginning. Because if they did, where would they have put them when they fell asleep? Rather, the story itself tells us that they wait until the cry of, Behold, the bridegroom, to trim their lamps. And thus, it was then that the foolish five realized they had no oil to keep the flame burning for very long. So, just what then is the point of this story? It's all about preparation. When the wedding feast begins, those who had been prepared join the parade and enter the celebration. Those who had not are locked out. But this makes the final verse of this week's gospel a bit non sequitur. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. But <laughs> thinking back to the story, both the wise and the foolish virgins both fall asleep. They don't stay awake. So we must take the gospel story's instruction more in a figurative sense. Stay awake, that is, be prepared. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this week, the 32nd Sunday of Ordinary Time. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.